0: You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. The rowdy crowd today. Um, I'll tell you who's getting a little bit be a little bit more rowdy than you guys this Saturday night. Um, those fools were crazy last night. I mean, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. Thank y'all for being here. Um, I was out last weekend. I just want to say thank you to Terry Kaywood. Y'all got a treat with that man, I'm telling you. I love his heart. I love his, his humor. He's a funny guy, but man, he can teach the Word of God, and it was so awesome. I did church online. Hey, Facebook family, welcome. Hey, y'all. Um, I was our part of our Facebook family last week. You know, because I like to try to visit different services, so I visited our Facebook church last week. <laughs> From the comfort of my living room. But you know what? I really missed out on you guys, I just have to say. Um, So I'm glad you're here. As uh, As we head into fall, because it's coming. I mean, you know, August is starting this week. And so you know what that means? Back to school. And all the teachers and students are like, no but I'm telling you, I like the routine. I need routine in my life. I do, it. I mean, I, I go through and I have this calendar and, and uh, this spreadsheet of how my ideal week goes and I adjust that just to keep myself in some solid, hardcore routines in the summer because summer just feels like it just does this. And I have to lean on my staff and I'm like, what's going on? I haven't seen these people in three or four weeks. I'm like, they're on vacation. And so I'm ready for s- school to start for routines to get back in and everything like that. But going into the fall, um, I want to share with you some vision. And if you're new to the creek or you're just unclear about our vision around here, uh, we put it on the canvases in the the commons area, and it's four simple statements. It's to see people set in relationship. And to break that down, we want to see people saved. So if you, if you wonder what we're all about, our primary purpose is this, we want to see people saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, him crucified and resurrected, and how new life comes only through him. That's our primary objective, y'all. I mean, we don't play around with that. Our next thing, so we want to see people set in relationship. the next thing is set in family, and so it's kind of the connection. We want to see people connected with God and connected with each other. And church is a family. It's not this sterile, clean place where we come in. Well, how are you doing, brother? Praise the Lord. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm blessed today, man. I'm blessed and highly favored. Well, how are you doing? I'm better than I deserve. You know, let me tell you, church is family. How are you doing? Today sucks. All right. At least you know we got to work with, right? I mean, family is that way. Family's real. I mean, it's messy, and so that's what church needs to be, and needs to be just, we come in, and we love each other. We, we wrestle and struggle. We help each other. We walk with each other, and, and, and that's, that's the beauty of church, how God brings us together. Then we want to see people set free and set in freedom, and so to explain that, because I've had some people go, what does that mean? I see this all the time, and I've experienced this that I've given my life to Christ. I've confessed him as Lord and Savior, but you know what? My life just, uh, there's things that I'm hanging on to in my life that are keeping me from the fullness of God. I mean, so whether that's past uh, hurts, uh, addictions, unforgiveness, all of these things that we just begin to carry that create a prison cell around the the people of God who are supposed to walk in freedom. And so we, we set a ministry in place as a key component of our vision that I think everybody in the church needs to go through. And it's our freedom ministry that starts in September. And, and they run on semesters. They'll do one in the spring. They do one in the fall. And so we, I think everybody needs to go through that. Our whole staff has gone through that. And even when I did it, uh, I'd been through freedom things before, but I did it again. I was like, man, God, thank you. Thank you for showing me this. And so I can, I can put some of those things behind. And then the fourth component is to be set in motion. That's the key. The church is not about us coming and sitting in a room and going, how do you entertain me and how do, what are you gonna do for me? The church is about moving and getting out. That's why, I mean, I'm, I'm, one of the greatest compliments I think our community is paying us is to say, hey, we know you have a reputation for getting out in the community and doing stuff. Will you help us? I'm like, yes, we will. I mean, we, twice a year, we do, we do our Serve Sunday where we do church different. And we release over 400 people into our community to go serve. And so I, I love that I'm a part of a church that has that as a value. If you're looking for a church where you can just sit and do nothing, you're not going to like it here. I'm sorry. Um, we'll help you find that. But it, I, I don't know. The pastors I connect with, don't, they're not about sitting and doing nothing. And so if you're if you're about sitting and doing nothing, let's just do this. Why don't you pray for God to change your heart and get you moving? So. One of the keys that I wanna, one of the parts of that vision that I wanna key in for a second as we go into the fall is the family aspect, to be set in family. And the way we drive that is through our life groups. And because life groups, uh, they don't happen in here, they happen in homes. And I believe you do church better in circles than you do rows. And, and so there's just something about a, a kitchen island or a, a kitchen table. You get, you get around that. That's the heart of the home, y'all. And when you get around that island, you put salsa on it? Oh, yes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Praise the Lord for salsa. Um, I can't go down that bunny trail. I want to tell you a story, but I can't. I don't have time. Um, I just love salsa. But um, life groups, yes, that's, that's how it happens. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, we, have, we have some amazing and dynamic life group leaders I mean, not just people who go. You know, yes, I lead a group of people, and we we eat in our home. And no, I mean, they, it's guts level. They get in there at the hospital with each other. I'm, I'm sure we've got life group leaders that have bailed people out of jail. I mean, that's just. I mean, this is the creek, y'all. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it's real, and I love that it's real. But here's the thing: family is contagious. I mean when you were growing up do you remember you you might have had that friend that always wanted to come to your house for dinner because your family was somewhat normal or maybe if your family wasn't normal you always wanted to go to somebody else's house for dinner you just want to be around that that's the same with the family of God and so so going into this fall I'm I'm just going to lay it out I don't believe in dancing around needs I'm going to lay it out and here's what you're going to do you're going to pray about it and then you hear God then you be obedient but you got a card that when you came in it's a host card and we're asking for hosts. And, and I'm just gonna share with you what, what we're looking at down the pipeline going into the fall and getting ready for 2020. We need to launch 25 to 40 new groups. We have that many people that desire to be connected in that kind of relationship and in family. So we've got a lot of work to do, y'all. And it's not, I, I can look at it from my eyes and it's overwhelming, but praise God, he's already got it figured out. And so you got this card, it's a host card, and we have this beautiful acronym for you called HOST. The first one is H. You gotta have a heart for people. If you don't love people, don't do this, okay? I don't wanna come behind you poop scooping the mess that you make because you don't love people, okay? So you gotta love people. Um, Then open your home. I didn't say you had to clean it. Although, ladies, it's a great opportunity to get the guy like, hey, group's coming over. You need a vacuum. Guys, let me tell you something you want to look sexy in your wife's eyes, you push a vacuum, brother. Mm. She got tired of me doing that dance and so she bought a Roomba. <laughs> Serve a few snacks. The best way is delegate that. Always got to have salsa, though. And then turn on a teaching video. And so we're not asking you to be biblical scholars. We're not asking you to have, because I'll tell you, there's many weeks, I mean, I feel so underqualified to do what God's called me to do. I feel, I mean, so many times I'm just, God, I'm, I'm a wretch of a man and I can't do this. And he goes, no, you can't, but I can through you. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. We ask this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple, And disciples do two things very well. They hear God and they're obedient with that. If you wanna gauge spiritual maturity and growth in that, it's this, that gap between hearing and obeying gets smaller. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about it. Don't make an emotional decision. Pray about it. If you make an emotional decision, you won't be able to sustain it and support it in the long run. And when that group gets real and people start bringing real issues into the house, then you won't be able to handle it. So I want you to pray about it make a spiritual decision. The greatest thing that I can give you as a part of our Creek family, it's not money, it's not salsa, it's not pizza, it's not all these other things, it's not coffee, it's this, it's trust. And with our life group leaders, you have my trust because what you're doing is you're taking the vision God has given us as a church and you're putting that in your living room and you're living it out. And I'm grateful for you for that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you got your Bible go to Jonah chapter 4, we're going to finish the series and um this has been an interesting series. Have you liked Jonah? Good, good, because we're finishing it today. So I hope you, if you're in love with it, you know, you're just gonna have to go back and watch it again. But uh, I'm excited about next week. We're starting a new series on the armor of God. And so I can't wait for that. Um, so we're gonna have some fight up in here, y'all. All That's what it's about, right? So anyway, Jonah chapter four. Let me give you an update while you're going there in your Bible or your phone, or we got some on the back cabinets, Bibles. If you don't own one, take it. That's our our gift to you, take it. So Jonah, God says to go. Jonah says no. Jonah starts running and, and gets on a boat going the opposite direction. His disobedience has taken him far from God, and God in his grace and his love sends a storm in Jonah's life, and Jonah goes to the sailors. They're like, what's up, Jonah? And he goes, it's my fault. Throw me over. So they throw him overboard. Fish swallows Jonah. In the fish belly of the fish, Jonah repents. Fish pukes Jonah up on the shore. I thought of a new name for the series last night. It should be called Fish Breath. But anyway, we missed it, okay? So I'm not perfect. You know, sometimes I miss God on things. But... um. So Jonah gets puked up on the shore. He goes to Nineveh and he preaches this message that you need to turn, God's about to destroy you. The whole city turns, from the king to the peasants. Everybody turns and they they trust God and and 120,000 people get saved. God's grace, he loves people, he loves the city and he sends us and his grace is poured out. They repent, they turn to God and 120,000 people get saved. And now Jonah, can you imagine that feeling? I mean, just, just in this series alone, we've had four decisions for Christ. We, we've had our VBS a couple weeks ago and we had five decisions for Christ. The youth went to camp last week. We had decisions. I was getting texts from Alec and I was seeing parents. I was crying reading Facebook, reading some of our parents' messages about their kids giving their life to Christ. So, yeah. That's the number one thing we celebrate around here, y'all. And I'm just in awe. God, I just can't believe you did. I mean, can you imagine Jonah? 120,000 people. Jonah had to just be like, God, you're so amazing. You're so incredible. I thank you for saving me from the fish. I'm sorry for running. I'm sorry for my disobedience. God, you are amazing. And a whole city is now turned to you. We would think that, right? Here's Jonah's response. Unlikely response, I'm gonna tell you. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. I want to do the cartoon like, what? And <laughs> What's interesting, and, and the Hebrew words for displeased and angry, they're strong language. And it's, all, it's backwards, because it's almost like in Jonah chapter one, when God comes to Jonah, Jonah, I'm displeased with this city. Their evil deeds have come up to me. Jonah, God's speaking these strong words to Jonah, and he's saying, I want you to go, and you're gonna preach to him. Well, now Jonah finally goes and preaches to him, and he's got the same, it it literally means this. He's not just agitated at God. He is burning with anger at God because he didn't destroy him. That's a completely backwards response when you see the grace of God poured out in such a miraculous way. And, and, And it says, and Jonah prayed. He prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than live. Jonah, you're going from bad to worse here, brother. What that, what, he's, what, he's, what that translates to, what that, let me bring that into our language, is he's saying, God, I knew you have grace and I knew you wanted to save him, but you sent me to tell, tell him this message and now you're going to make a liar out of me because I said, God's going to destroy the city if you don't repent. And they're going to look and go, oh, oh, you said God was going to do this. Where's your God now? Jonah's making, it's, it's, it's a mess. And Jonah's like, you should just kill me because I don't, I mean, this is just ridiculous. It's it's almost like this great contradiction that you see in Jonah where you see him in the fish and he's repenting and he said, I'm turning it all over to you. Everything that I vowed, I'm gonna make right. God, I'm I'm doing this. I'm pursuing you. It's all about you. And he gets to Nineveh and it's kind of like, God, thank you for forgiving me, but I'm not forgiving them. Thank you for giving your grace to me, but I'm not giving it to them. That's a contradiction for God. I mean, Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter six when he says, you know, if you forgive others, then God forgives you. We're 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 taught in the word of God about there's this measure that if if you give it this way, you're gonna get it this way. So if you're gonna give forgiveness in a stingy way, you're gonna get it in a stingy way. And what he's saying is, I mean, you've got to understand this. And yesterday, if you missed our men's breakfast, I'm sorry, it was, it was one of the most powerful men's, men's moments I think we've had in the, our church history. And we, dynamic message, and we're sitting around tables and, and, and we're talking and there was a gentleman at our table and he said, I had a mountaintop experience with God and I was wrestling with forgiveness and grace and I felt God just clearly speak this to me. How can you expect me to forgive you when you won't forgive your father? That's what Jonah's sitting in right now. Jonah's sitting in unforgiveness. And you know, the the Assyrians, I I told you this in week one, they had a terrible reputation. I mean, they didn't assimilate culture, they annihilated culture. They loved coming up with new ways to torture somebody when they were gonna kill them. And so uh, no doubt Jonah had heard about their reputation, but also may have experienced some hurt because of their reputation, because of their brutality. And some of y'all have experienced some hurt. I will never minimize the hurt that you've experienced because it's deep, it's personal, and it's real. What I will try to get you to do is start walking in forgiveness because some of y'all have been carrying unforgiveness for far too long. And it's 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 wearing you out. It's made you bitter. It's made you cynical. And it's made it hard to hear the clear voice of God in your life. And this unforgiveness will destroy you. You may be thinking, well, man, I'm I'm okay there. I've forgiven everybody in my life. I'm good. Finally, I'm good. What about resentment? Any of us carrying some resentment? Maybe for a spouse, a co-worker. Maybe you were hoping to get the job and one of your co-workers got it. And on the surface, like, I'm so happy for you. But under the surface, you're like, I should have got it. So you let resentment come in. See, resentment, when it's unchecked, will lead to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness and bitterness leads to destruction. So, Maybe you resent your spouse. Maybe you just haven't had some good communication in your relationship, and so you've let resentment start to creep in. Be careful with that, y'all. Because it'll, it'll, it'll tear us up. And Jonah's sitting there in this contradiction, pouting, and God, I love what God says to him. God looks at him. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Let me translate that. You mad, bro? (laughs) Really? And I think that God's like, what's up, you know? And then here's how Jonah responds. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. God's like, you mad, bro? Jonah's like, God's like, Jonah, I want to see if you're going to destroy it. You said you were going to destroy it. I want to see if you're going to destroy it. You're making a liar out of me. Jonah's pouting. Jonah's probably up in heaven going, that's not how it was. And God's like, hey, Jonah, come over here. This place in in, in Fort Worth called the creek, they're talking about you. I don't want to see you. (laughs) God's like, Jonah, come on, stop pouting. Do you do well to be angry? Wow. Really? You're mad about this? 120,000 people experienced the grace of God, life change, transformation, and you're upset about this? Really, Jonah? I mean, God wasn't surprised by Jonah's response. I mean, you know, nothing we could ever do surprises God. He was like, yep, saw it. Know it, I know how to deal with it. But Jonah plays the quiet game with God. It's like, really, you are acting so Childish. You're pouting. You're upset because God's grace radically transforms someone that you enjoyed having a hatred for. How are you going to walk in the truth of what Jesus says when He says, "Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you." How are you going to do that? How are you going to follow Jesus if we carry that attitude? It can't happen. It can't happen. What will happen is we begin to despise the grace of God for other people. And then we just end up bitter and cynical and lost. So Jonah's sitting outside of the city And now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant, because God's playing by his rules now. God, you're doing what I want you to do. Yay, thank you, God. I'm with you now. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on his head so that he was faint, and he asked that he might die. He said, it's better for me to die. than..." There's that drama again. God, just kill me now. It's uncomfortable. I liked you when you brought the plant because it was shade, and I don't know, it was keeping the sun off my scalp. And then you sent this worm and killed the plant, and now you got the wind blowing. I mean, the weather's been awesome around here the last couple of days. That's changing today, y'all. God's sending the wind, right? God sent some random things in Jonah's life. Jonah's running in disobedience. God sends a storm, gets his attention. God sends a fish to swallow him up. God sends a message, a clear message to Jonah. God sends grace. God sends a plant to cover him. God sends a worm to destroy the plant and he sends a wind to move Jonah. Why? It's about the goodness and grace and love of God for us. He loves us too much. And some random things he provided, but here's what you gotta understand about God. God will provide exactly what we need, even if it's something we don't want. Because God loves us too much to let us die in our comfort. He loves us too much to let us to continue to run in our disobedience. Sometimes he's gonna send some things we don't want, but he knows we need them. There's a man in the New Testament named Paul. If you don't know this guy, he was persecuting Christians and on his way to arrest, persecute, and probably murder Christians, and uh, God shows up. Jesus shows up, radically transformed. This man is radically saved. And he writes most of the New Testament. And he writes this book, this letter to a church in Philippi, to the Philippian people. And in chapter 4, verse 19, he says this, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He didn't say God's going to give you everything you want. Some of you, your your faith is built on a sham that God is some cosmic genie that if you rub life a certain way, if you you do the right thing, God's gonna give you exactly what you want. No, no, no. The promise is I will give you everything you need. This is coming from a man. Paul, let let me tell you something. God provided every need. Paul would say, I went through multiple shipwrecks. Why? Because God used that to put me in the place for people to hear the gospel that wouldn't have heard the gospel. Hey, God God brought beatings into my life so the gospel could move forward. Paul learned this idea of contentment in life. He said, I've learned how to be content whether I'm, I got plenty to eat or I'm starving, whether I'm well-clothed or I'm naked. No matter what's going on in my life, I can trust God because he's got my needs met. Jonah's not content, and Jonah's not excited about his life. Where are you with that? Are you content? Are you excited about your life? I mean, are you really looking around and seeing it where God is supplying your needs? And see, we love the God of the plant, right? Because that's comfort, right? That's You're covering me, God. We like this idea of plant. Something's growing. I mean, something's going to harvest, and God's just pouring into my life. And we love to serve the God of the plant, but we don't want to serve the God of the worm, because that means, wait, whoa, whoa, you're taking something from my life. We well, don't like the God of the wind. Like, wait, wait, you're gonna make it hot, you make it uncomfortable, yeah. Because God wants to move you. God doesn't want you to die in your comfort. God loves you too much to do that. It gives you everything you need. Too, too many. Of, think about this. Jonah prayed two prayers. In, four, in these four chapters, we see two prayers recorded when he's in the belly of the fish, and when he's angry at God. Is that a reflection of your prayer life? I mean, when you start saying, God, I know you provide my needs, but you find yourself in a place where you don't like what you're getting, where's your relationship with him? Don't settle for a crisis-driven relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't, don't do it when you're just in the whale, in the fish, and he pukes you up, and oh, thank you, God, I got it cleaned up now. But realize this, that everything he's sending, the, the plant, the worm, the wind, the storm, all of these things are because God loves you and he sent these things and, and he has something for you. And so in verse nine, God said to Jonah, again, do you be well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah said, yeah, I do. I do, I, I have a right to be angry. Angry enough to die. Jonah's probably, you, you, you drama. God sees through our drama. God works in spite of our drama. Jonah, really, okay, so you, listen to what God responds to him. (laughs) I love this. You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. (laughs) Really, Jonah, you're upset about something you had nothing to do with. You know what's happening is Jonah is making life all about him. And we gotta learn that from, from, from this, this story with Jonah. Life is not about me. It's about others. Ultimately, I would say, you know, because we, we get in this me and you, you know, we're a severely um, troubled, I'll say, Me culture. All about me. All about me. Even to the point where if someone is not about me, they become my enemy. And we set ourselves against them. We begin to tear them down because that's a culture that's trying to attack my culture, and my culture is about me. Man, I'll tell you what. I don't pray for worms in my life, but we need a worm in our meat culture, y'all. We need to eat that plant down, and we need some kind of wind to move us. Out of the comfort that we try, this false sense of security that we create around me. I mean, Jonah's like, Life's it's about me. You took my plant. God's like, You didn't, you did nothing for that plant. I did it. And you pity the plant, and then God says, And should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle. Maybe God was gonna do the first drive-through in history. Welcome to Nineveh. Can I get a burger for you? I uh, have the double meat. Can I get fries with that? No, God cares about the things. God cares about the cities. God cares about people. He's like, Jonah, you're, you're upset about a plant. I'm looking at over 120,000 people. You're pitying a plant that's so temporary. You had it for a day. I'm looking at eternity. I'm looking at what I created in my image that's been separated by sin and they've gone their own way and they've created this own reputation of their brutality but I still love them. Why? Because they're created in my image and they're separate from me and I want a relationship with them and I sent you to speak it and I knew they were gonna repent because I wanted them back in a relationship with me. Should I not pity the city? See life, we—it's—it's—it's it's, it's us. It's not me. It's not you. It's not. I'll do my thing. You do your thing. It's us. Because there's something that happens when we come together, and it becomes this beautiful relationship that God is is choosing to do something in us. What Jonah? What God's saying to Jonah is, "Jonah, you're making about you. I'm making about Nineveh." Because in Nineveh, there's people that need grace. There's people that need hope. There's people that need life, that need forgiveness, that need restoration, that need freedom. So when I look around at our city, I see marriages, they're breaking apart at astronomical rates, Just because you're sitting in this church doesn't mean you're immune from it. If you were at our men's breakfast, you heard this staggering truth that one out of three kids in the United States of America are growing up without a father. And we've made it all about me. And God says the hope of the world is the gospel what I'm choosing to work through you. And can you imagine how how humbling and overwhelming that is, is that God wants to use me to change the world? Maybe we should change, instead of use me, God wants to use us to change the world, because I can't do it. And you can't do it. But we can do it when we're focused on the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us that brought resurrection to Jesus Christ out of the grave after he gave his life on a cross to pay for our sin and our penalty and to buy us back into relationship with God. And that same power that called him out of the tomb on the third day is the same power that rests in us so that we can step up out of this place and we can go to the city and we can see marriages change. We can see kids grow up and have a role model to say, I don't have to do it the way everybody says it's going to turn out. it can be something different in my life. We can raise up a generation of young women who can make an impact in our society and not say, I've got to learn to know my place, but I can step out and do something incredible. We, can, we are the church, y'all. We're not a plan for God to change the world. We're the plan. Jesus looked at Peter and said, on you, on this rock, I'm going to build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's all about us getting out because we can see some incredible things. Can you imagine the life change we're gonna see when we stop running from God and start running to him? When we finally get to that declaration and say, you know what, God, I'm going to Nineveh. God, I'm going to Fort Worth. I'm going to Saginaw. I'm going to Lake Worth. I'm going to North Richland Hills. I'm going to HEB. i I'm going to Grapevine. I'm going to Keller. I'm going to Hazlitt. I'm going all over this metric. God, I'm going to the place that you're calling me to go. Can you imagine the life change we're going to see? Because God loves people and he chooses to work in us and he chooses to move through us. And here's the crazy thing is, Jonah, this book doesn't resolve He doesn't come back and Jonah's life was changed forevermore and he's happily ever after. No, no, I think the rest of this story, God's saying, it's up to you. Are you gonna sit and pout about my grace and you're gonna despise my grace for the people I'm pouring it out on? Are you gonna get in this flow and you're gonna start running with me to the people who need me? If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, I just wanna ask you this question. What are you running from? What are you running from? Can I, can I just say this this morning? Stop running. You're exhausted. Stop. Turn and start pressing into God. The word in the Bible for that is repentance. Let's change directions. You got a relationship with Jesus. You've heard a clear message from him and you know where he's called you to go. And you may have spent days, weeks, months, or even years of your life running from it. Just stop and start walking to him. Because that's where you see his grace at work. If you're not a Christian, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I'm gonna... When we pray, I'm gonna give you that moment for you to pray. But I wanna tell you that there's a purpose for your life, that God loves you. There is nothing in your past that he cannot overcome. There is nothing that you bring to him that he's surprised by. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross who paid the ultimate sacrifice, paid his blood so that you could have a relationship with him. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. To come into a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean you understand every detail of that. It means you trust him in it. And I'm gonna give you that opportunity this morning to trust in him, for him to make you new and set you on a purpose and a life that you can't even imagine. Let me say this. This is what we're about. We wanna see people's lives saved. We wanna see people set in a relationship with their Lord and Savior, King and Messiah. I wanna see people connected with each other in the body of the church, making such an impact in our world. I wanna see the freedom that we're called to walk in And I don't wanna see a church that sits on their rear end until Jesus comes back. This ain't the church for that, y'all. It's not time to slow down, it's time to step it up. Because Jesus said, you work while it's daylight and I'm gonna wear it out. I don't make apologies for the vision that God's given us and for the things that we're gonna engage with because I wanna see lives change. I don't make apologies for inviting you to give and support this mission financially. I don't make apologies for asking you to serve and get on board with it. Why? Because there's a city out there that needs to see the grace of God and not a church full of people that despise them for the grace of God. May we never be a church that way. If we are, let me tell you where this man, your leader, is gonna go, I'm walking out. And I'm gonna go find it where it is. And God's called us to do it, so let's get fired up about it. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. It is so overwhelming. Your grace is so amazing. God, forgive us where we've despised that grace intentionally or unintentionally in our past. God, let your grace so overwhelm us right now. Heal hurts. He'll wounds. He'll past. Redeem pasts. Forgive us for building our own sense of security and our comfort. Would you move us out of that? Would you, God, ignite a fire? a passion in our soul that burns, that has to get out. May we be a people, may we be a family that is marked by that passion to see lives changed. pray for a renewal of the mind of those who are Christians in this room and those watching online, that there's a renewal of their mind and there's a repentance to stop making it about me and say, God, I'm making it about us and I'm running to you. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to do something. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to do something. If you're ready to make that decision and say, Matt, I want you to pray with me and I'm ready for my life to be new. I want you to just, boldly, bravely, just put your hand up in the air because I'm gonna pray for you. Amen, come on, awesome. This is life change, y'all. This is that moment to say, Jesus, I'm not running from you anymore. I'm running to you. I'm putting it all in. It's an all out surrender, y'all. It's not an emotional decision, but it's the biggest decision you ever make in your life. Those of you that have raised your hands, you can put them down. I want you to pray this in your words. And if you're watching online, you pray this. You don't have to be in here to experience the grace of God. I want you to say this in your way. I just want you to say, Jesus, I need your grace. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I believe you died for me because you love me that much. And I believe you rose again because there's a power that my life can be connected to that is so much greater than mine. And I'm asking you for that. I'm asking for you to save me and make me new. Recreate me. Give me your purpose in your life. Jesus, this commitment I make to you right now is to stop running from you and to spend the rest of my days running to you and to your heart and to your purpose and to your life. May it be for your glory, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at